The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash podchock for your free audiobook download. Live from Alpha Centauri's unisex bathroom in the palace on Peladon, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. now. I... <laughs> Uh, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani, Hello. Ken Deep, Hello. James Norton, Hello. News Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? Who are you? Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey Embassy present Doctor Who Podshock episode 149. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. And across the great pond, none other than the legendary Mr. James Naughton. Hi there. <laughs> and as we said, this is episode 149, Outpost Gallifrey presenting it. Gallifrey and Embassy, keeping it alive, and brought to you by two good folks, you, the listeners, and Audible.com. And we'll hear from them a little bit later on. But first, we go into the newsroom to see what's going on in the world of Doctor Who. Mmm... Bit of a slow news week this week, as far as I'm aware. The um, biggest news being, as far as I'm aware anyway, I'm sure that you gents will interject unless there's anything that I'm missing here. But uh, John Barrowman, uh, there was a, a nice little news story out there. He was caught on camera, a nice little picture of him carrying some bottled water and stuff what looked like from shops alongside David Tennant. Wearing the and Captain Jack um, overcoat. In full Captain Jack garb, yes. Thank you, Lewis, for, for pointing that out. And uh, he was asked about it. You know, a microphone was put in front of his face, and um, he said, oh, you know, I, I was just going down the shops, uh, you know, just doing a bit of shopping. I sometimes like to dress as Captain Jack. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I'm not in the new any new episodes. I've not seen any scripts. It just must be David Tennant photoshopped in there with me. So, very tongue-in-cheek, I think, from Mr. Barrowman, as ever. And uh, I've, I've seen the photos, and I think that he's lying through his teeth. I think that they're <laughs> trying their best to keep this under wraps, but... Um, no chance they're keeping it under wraps. Yeah. And what? no I chance mean, that he's telling the truth. Captain Jack uh, returning for the, for the series finale, or the season, or the specials finale? That's unheard of. I know, it's a new but one, David Tennant's finale. Yeah. And just to, to go over to um, io9.com, it's a great sci-fi website, which is where I first read about this. It says, so the final Russell T. Davis episodes already features Captain Jack, Donna, Wilf, Sarah Jane, Luke, and maybe the Master, spoiler alert, but there's more. An anonymous tipster says that David Tennant is rushing back to London to shoot just one scene with Billy Piper in a very public location. And this scene involves Rose Smith and the other Doctor. 
In other words, it's Rose and her human version of Tenant's Doctor, and maybe they're married. Fans speculate that the other Doctor can feel when the real Doctor regenerates, even from another universe. And rumour has it that Tenant's Doctor is alone in the TARDIS when he transforms. Chances are the scene is from the end of the final episode, seen, it's, seen as it's scene 163. Sarah Jane's cameo was scene 153, and the bookstore scene was one, scene 155. And this is uh, from Life, the Universe, and Combomb, and Planet Gallifrey, also two fantastic uh, websites. So, um, no surprise there then, really. I mean... See, they also reported, um, or actually, our, our Planet Gallifrey did, I'm... I'm don't have my notes in front of me, that uh, David Tennant was at the read-through for, supposedly, for Sarah Jane Adventures. But um, Elizabeth Sladen could be popping up as well, so... Mm. so this mm, is, let me, this let is me see here. We got all these characters coming back. So what are they redoing Journey's End? It seems like it. I mean, it's I like Back to the Future 2. We won't actually make a different story. We'll make the same story a second time. Just with different <laughs> monsters. No, I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly sounding like the negative people that, uh, that I'm always speaking against, but it has nothing to do with being negative. I'm actually kind of psyched about it. Do it. Let's, let's have fun with this. Well, I, I think, can see. What I think the... when all's said and done, none of this is going to be like anything we expect, no matter how much you hear about it. Okay, so Captain Jack's in it. What else do you know about it? Nothing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why they're pulling out all the stops, because this really is the final, final episode in terms of um, Russell T. T. Davis's tenure as uh, executive producer. So why wouldn't he bring everybody back? I mean, he he wants to please um, the new fans of the show who will relish having all of those characters back there. Um, You know, I wouldn't even be surprised if Mickey turns up and and, (laughs) and Martha. I mean, they've not been mentioned as far as I'm aware, but uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So um, I'm. I, I don't. The mind. only knock against it, James, is just that we we just saw we we just saw this. Yes. Yeah. Um, the thi- that's the, the, if, the issue. If, if there was a little more time, if if Journey's End would have happened in series two or series three, and then they were going to uh, do an encore of it uh, a little bit further down the line, I I don't think there would be as much blowback to it, you know. But yeah. I think it's just so. So soon, straight so off the soon. heels of Journey's and, and my, End. And my question comes, does it water down the other one? Well, Is it less the, special? For me, I don't mind if bringing all the characters back, and it's, it's completely understandable why they, they would do that and why they're going to do it. But for me, if you can justify it in the story, fine. But if you're just bringing people back just for the sake of having them on the screen, then um, what's the point? I mean... The thing with Journey's End is is that it, it tied together a lot of, of loose ends um, and it, it was at a point where they really had the potential in the specials to do something different. And I think that maybe is why people are a little bit disappointed. Mm. But the, the, the thing is is that if the story is, is good, and I think it will be because Russell will have built it up over you know the past four or five years that he's been producer – and he, he, he said in, in many radio interviews, television and interviews, that he's known as soon as he started how he was going to, to in inverted commas, kill off David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as the story warrants it, what's the big deal? I mean, we can, we can all, you know, bash it into the ground. And there are a lot of people out there who aren't a big fan of, of Russell 
um, which I think is a shame because I think he's a now, great there writer. A lot. There are a few. They just have well, they yeah. they're very vocal, which is the problem. You know, it's like the, the the old bad apple spoiling the barrel, but they're just very loud, annoying people who just need to, in my view, pipe down and watch the episode. If after seeing we'll the go episode, get their own TV show. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I've been saying since episode one in Russell we trust, and I'm going to stick to that. There's only three episodes left, and I trust them. To take us into the in Moffat we trust era. So yes, yeah, absolutely, and I, I completely agree with you there, and I'm on board 100 percent for this. I, I trust Russell; he'll do a great job. I know he will, and uh, you know I'm just excited with every little kind of semi-spoiler or photo yeah. that's leaked up there. It just it means oh, Doctor Who's coming back, and it's going to be awesome. And part of me th- is like dying to know every little detail, and there's part of me that says. Ah, just wait. It's going to be just mm. enough, you know, and I'm like torn. Yeah, it'll roll around really quick. It always does. And, and uh, the thing and is, you know is what? That the other thing I've learned is the more you try to stay away from spoilers, the more someone spoils it on you. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that happens. But the, I can the thing appreciate is, though, people who don't want to be spoiled. I, I, I can agree with that. You know, there's, there's yeah. something to be said for that initial experience of just not knowing anything other than, well, it's another episode of Doctor Who. The problem with it is, is that there's a big, there's a really big build-up to it, and that there's a, a bit of a wait. So the longer you have to wait, the more inevitably the more spoilers leak out because they they'll have filmed it, they'll be doing the special effects, and you know somebody's either there at the filming or something will leak out when they're doing the post-production. But the way I see it is this: is that you know, okay, we have to wait quite a while till we see the waters of Mars and then the the final two episodes. Mm-hmm. But after that comparatively it's not that long until we'll get the fifth series because as i understand it that's going to be in 2010 which will probably be in in march time shooting so, now i think yeah i think they're yeah. shooting it now mm-hmm. so march april probably be when that is um debuted yeah so uh, right, there's only three months the united after. states in 2012 <laughs> oh. <laughs> which leads us back to uh, our age-old conversation that we had last time and and uh, which uh we we chimed in on on our what did we call it Doctor in Distress we <laughs> we named it as a little stint that yeah, we've recorded. All the, all the podcasters got together for for a call out uh, to get Doctor Who out to the entire world in a more timely manner. Mm. Which they're doing with Torchwood with, mm-hmm. with um. Well, there, I think that's like with that's like an four. experiment. Uh, I mean, it was. I think this, the Sci Fi Channel had it of a, a week or so after. It wasn't the the gap wasn't that big, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and and ironically, they were really good with it in Canada. Um, At one time, the first, they first, were. At one time, it was like the same, like within the same week, I think. Yeah, and now the situation is completely reversed. Um, and I I don't understand. I think I, I don't know if it's, if it's because the CBC has now said, okay, we've done enough Doctor Who, let's give it to space. I think it's Space, the channel, which is taking it yeah. over in Canada. That or Hockey Tech's president's always in Canada. Yeah. So, I don't know what's going on with that. But please, please, come on. 2009, people. <laughs> Let's get with it, as Ken yeah. likes to say. We, yes. we, we ought to get Mike on board here and give us some thoughts on that. He also should get on board and um, so that he can talk about this um, event that they're having there in Canada, I think in May. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's this month now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It is May. <laughs> it rolls around so quickly. But oh my! 
it may even have passed since uh, by the time this is um, comes out. When, when is it? Is it May thirteenth? No, it's in June. It's in June. Oh, okay. it's in June. Okay, I thought it, I thought it was the end of May, but okay. I was thinking May as well. But no, that's good to know. It's um, Saturday, June. I know there's an article on our 12th, site. Thirteenth, it's in there. I'm looking it up now as we're as we're, we're chatting. It's, Who, um, it's yeah, the it's June thirteenth. You can tell how much production we do here on Dot Two Podshock. We're all so very well prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll let Ken speak, but I have it right here as well. No, go ahead, Lewis. Well, it's with uh, Robert Sherman and Toby Haddock, who we had on our live show that we did at Gallifrey in February in Los Angeles. He, uh, both Robert Sherman and Toby, will be there at um, downtown Toronto. I don't know if they've um, announced the venue. At the time of the posting on April 25th on our site, Mike has uh, said the venue is to be announced. And, as, and mm. there'll be additional guests as well. So it's mm. Who Party 14th. It's a Doctor Who. It's a one-day convention, Saturday, the 13th of June, 2009. Speaking, while we're on the subject of uh, conventions... Well, before you do, I just want to give out the, the URL so people can yes, get please the do. Sorry. information. Yes, please do. It's it's com. Once again, who party Toronto, all one word, dot com. Yeah, it really does look like a, a nice little event. And I'm a big fan. Well, as I said, mentioned before, um, Gallifrey uh, One is awesome because it's it's like everything all at once and it's it's over several days. And But I'm also a big fan of, of the one-day conventions run by the smaller, sort of more intimate um, fan groups um, like Hoover's, which is a group that's based down in, in Derby. Um, and they're running what's looking like a fantastic convention in in September. Uh, it's on September the 6th, which I will be uh, going along to. It's going to be uh, held at the, the Midland Railway Centre in Ripley, which is really close to Derby. It's only about a 20-minute drive outside of, of Derby, and it's on a Sunday. If you go to hoovers.org.uk, they have a little website there. There's not a great deal of information there at the moment about who's going to be there or, or, or how you can get tickets and so on. But it, I'm assured that it will that it will all be updated um, very, very soon. Uh, but so far, confirmed guests include Colin Baker and Cheryl Hall. And they're going to be having a podcasting panel, which I'll be taking part in. There's a l- whole host of uh, uh, Doctor Who podcasts going to be there. Uh, myself and Dave Cooper are going to be there from from Podshock and CIA, of course, alongside uh, the Who Cast are going to be there, which is absolutely awesome. I love. Uh, I think it's Paul and Marty are going to be there. Paul's a really fun guy, and it's always great to meet up with him. So it's just going to be mm-hmm. great to get together and and podcast and have a go, a good laugh. And, Tin and, Dog's going to be there, okay. and uh, I'm just trying to think. Dave A.C. Cooper. Well, I've mentioned Dave A.C. is going to be there, okay. yeah as uh-huh. well so it, it's shaping up to be an absolutely terrific event and i'm sure that more podcasters will will come up on the panel um we had an absolutely amazing time back gallifrey 19 uh, or 20 i should say gosh can't get my numbers right but um <laughs> where we all sat down and, and did uh, a podcast with the radio free scaro guys and the tacky on tv guys it was awesome and i'm really hoping that this will will be well i'm sure it's going to be the same so if you if you've got the chance if you're going to be around derby in the uk on the 6th of september i'd love to see you there it's going to be great and i heard from dave from who on who that he is going to be definitely at gallifrey 21 so we'll be up to four podcasters at least when we get to gallifrey awesome. next year so that should be pretty cool well, yeah. and, uh, and i 
what's that? I was just saying, and speaking of which, you're on the the latest episode at the time of this recording on uh, Who on Who. Yes, I I am on the heels of your appearance on Who on ah, Who. Okay, that's and, what I thought uh, I felt something on my heels. Yes, and uh, <laughs> I I set the record for longest episode. Just <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised. Yeah, shocking. I'm I'm going to be next, I think. Uh, Dave has already sent me an email, so we've just got to decide what story we're going to review. So I'll be on your heels, Ken. And, and Ken, okay, which no, one did you I'll, review again? I did Inferno. Inferno, that's right. Ah, oh, such a good Great story. story. It's yeah. genius, pure genius. Definitely. Um, so and, check and it just out. To, it's, uh, just a, it's, you can, it's available on iTunes, Who on Who, and um, we'll post a, a story on our site about it as well. Just a yeah. quick uh, update on your mention of um, Who Party Toronto. The location is the Best Western oh, from okay. Rose Hotel in downtown Toronto. All right. So they probably now, obviously updated it since um, since Mike posted the story. Okay. While we're on this as well, uh, don't forget that you have Timegate in Atlanta with uh, Mary Tam and Terrence Dix coming up on Memorial Day weekend here in the United States, May 23rd and 24th 2009 so if you're going to who party in june you're going to timegate you're going to any of the conventions rock out in a pod shock t-shirt please show your support none of us are able to go to timegate and i don't think anybody that we know well mike mike of course will be up at uh mike Durin will be up at who party but show your support you know tell people about Podchuck. that'd be a great thing spread the word anybody wants to do a, a report from there and submit it as an audio piece or even just a, a written piece that we can read out that would be fantastic any kind of help would be appreciated so you it's your chance to be a, a reporter on the scene so. and now we have mm-hmm. some new selections in addition to the regular Podchuck charts there's new ones which are uh have your phrase that you had coined ken um, yes a little tribute to you your um Mark in history and well, one of your uh, in as far as Doctor Who history goes, um, in Russell we trust and in Moffat we trust. There are two new shirts okay. available in our stores, and it's uh, they were just released this week and it got a lot of attention. So, um, a lot of people I know Paul Parnell had it on his uh Twitter page, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, tw- uh, he tweeted about it as well. He may have um, it may also be in his blog, I haven't checked it recently. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of people are hitting the site, checking it out. They're in various colors and sizes and uh, men, women shirts, children shirts. It also says Podshock on it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, it has our Podshock.net address on it. That's Mm. fantastic. Well, if you are going to TimeGate or to Who Party Toronto, or you're just coming to a DWNY meetup in Manhattan, where Lewis and I are uh, regulars, along with Billy and Taras and some of the people that you know on the the, uh, message boards, you can sport one of those, bring a brand new T-shirt. That would be swell. I would love to see that. It would be hot. I thought you were going to say that it was, a, it was a T-shirt that said Sexy James on it. No, that's coming next. <laughs> no, oh, nobody okay. would buy that. Nobody would buy that. Uh, no, I'm going to get for, for Gallifrey, I'm going to get a T-shirt with James on it. What just, do you think? Just with me. Just yeah, with you. It will be a hot item. I think we're going to have to do it. <laughs> Underneath, in, in brackets, sexy James, just in case James, your public who, demands uh, it. Do they now? I'm sure that can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so those are some of the things going on uh, in the near future. And actually, there's um, there's a couple other events that uh, that we have some scuttlebutt on. But once they become official, we'll we'll announce them. And, and that's not just a tease, but that's more a uh, keep your ears open kind of thing because. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just waiting 
for some concrete information, and, and that would be fantastic. So, mm. Okay, what else is in the news, gents? I was going to say, if you can't get the chance to go out to a convention, but you would like to kind of meet us in some capacity, um, we're going to be running a Second Life meetup, which is going to be, well, at the time of this recording, I don't know when this will go will out. Be, <clears throat> excuse me. It will probably be out. Um, we'll probably do this podcast will be out just prior to our meetup. So it'll probably be, um, as you're listening to this, the upcoming weekend, which will be May 16th, I believe, is um, Saturday the 16th. Yep. That's the time. Mm-hmm. So the and, week uh, before TimeGate. Yes. Yes. We, just before TimeGate, yeah. We've scheduled, <laughs> this was originally scheduled a couple of weeks ago, but then it interfered with the Fab Cafe event, and we'll have more on that later. So this has been kind of uh, been tossed about for the past uh, month or two. By popular demand, it's back. Back in 2006, November 2006, we uh, did our first Second Life meetup, which um, for those that don't know, Second Life is a virtual environment, a 3D virtual environment, which you can interact. You're represented as with an avatar in this world, and it gives a opportunity for people from all around the world, no matter where you're situated, where you're located, those geographical barriers that separate us, like let's say the Atlantic Ocean or whatever, are no longer there. Through the internet, we're all one, and we can come together. So when we originally formed the Gallifrey Embassy, it was a local chapter a local organization that 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 um that that catered to the local public here so we would have meetings on long island originally and we drew people from that area from the tri-state area but now it's a whole nother in in this day and age we're a global organization and it's hard to get everyone together from around the world second life enables us to do that so it's it's it was very successful when we did it we did it to honor the anniversary it was November 2006, and I believe it was the 43rd anniversary at that time. Yep, that's right. And um, and like I said, we got a lot of calls to do it again, and for whatever reason, we never uh, was able to reorganize it and to do it again. So with the help of Nick and Terry, and I thank them very much yeah, uh, for their awesome. help and assistance in this, we're doing it again, which is going to be the Saturday, the 16th of May. Now, this is going to be a, a whole-day event, but... Within that day, and right now we're still locking in on the exact time, most likely it will be on, um, now Second Life has its own time, <laughs> and it's really Which just, specific, it's, it, yeah. it's in sync to United States um, Pacific time. It's um, So it'll probably be between 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Second Life time, which is, like a, as we just said, um, Pacific time in the U.S., Mm. So uh, we'll be having a special event within the 24-hour period. Now, I say that it's going to be a 24-hour event because we're encouraging, because people have, you know, in Australia, you're living in a different time zone. So to make it as inclusive as possible, it's going to be taking place in a 24-hour period where we can all come together and uh, James and I, and hopefully Ken, depending on his work schedule, can be there and we can do it in shifts or whatever, or pop in and out, so we have a chance to kind of meet our everyone that's listening here and and fans can come together. Um, but within that 24-hour period, we wanted to do a um, with take a few hours to try to be there together. So, um, you know, and maybe do there may be a, a dance. There may be something going on that's still being orchestrated right now. Yeah. And we should mention that it's going to be hosted between two mm-hmm. um, sips. Uh, yes. The first which Nick and Terry own, is uh, New Gallifrey. And the second is Katrina, which mm-hmm. is a, a fabulous 
uh, arena. It looks just like Cardiff. Um, it's it's awesome, and it's, it's going to be really really cool. Uh, I'm going to be there a, a little bit earlier, perhaps. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that I can do some overlap with uh, with Lewis and maybe even Ken. But I'll be doing kind of the morning shift in inverted commas, and Lewis will take over the afternoon and evening shift. But uh, we're we're just gearing up for it. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you haven't been on it, which I'm one of them, because it's Second Life is so engrossing and time-consuming that I just don't have – my first life I don't have enough time for, let alone my second life. But I haven't really been on it much since our 2006 meetup, and I was quite impressed back then. But they've made such vast improvements – the for example the TARDIS interior what was designed today looks I mean it's you're on that like we had um we were on the Tom Baker TARDIS interior and it looked identical to the Tom Baker TARDIS interior that we're used to and they did the same thing with the with today's TARDIS and um Paul McGann's TARDIS it's it's incredible the work and time that was put into this to really develop these um environments yeah it's really worthwhile coming along even if you've only got like half an hour or something come along say hi um you can search for me i'll i'm in there uh, just find out where i am on the day i'm pete pixel is my mm-hmm. uh, second life username and uh, and uh, lewis is two hartman yes. with two n's at the end uh, nice little <laughs> pun on uh, on doctor fantastic. who yeah but well, when you when you join second life you have to uh adapt a new name for yourself and they give you your last name you can pick your own first name so i had was given the last name uh, hartman and i think well it's natural that i'm too hartman <laughs> you would have two <laughs> but that's spelled t-w-o not t-o-o yeah <laughs> so yeah come along it's going to be awesome and if you go to our site, there's a video that Victor had made and sent to us back in February, and it's on our site now. It's called Doctor Who Experience and Second Life. It's, um, and if you go to the story on the Second Life meetup on our site, gallifreyembassy.org or podchock.net, and it's, a, it's about a 10-minute uh, YouTube video that you can watch, and it gives you a little introduction to what Second Life is about, and specifically the Doctor Who Cardiff experience. It's well worth it. So, we'll be well, right the, back. The, the very other news story I just wanted to mention was that... Oh, sorry, um, Lewis. <laughs> was, was that Torchwood and Doctor Who uh, star Eve Miles has announced that she's expecting her first child. And Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And before people start wondering, as far as we know, it's a human child, not a Nostrovite, <laughs> Nostrovite whatever it was called in, oh. in the Torchwood story where... Uh, she Something has a borrowed, alien yeah. child, <laughs> which I, I, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, if you are, um, yeah, you know, we don't want to turn the whole thing into a, into a Torchwood podcast, but um, in other Torchwood slash Doctor Who news, they just announced that Children of Earth, which hasn't even aired yet, is coming out on Blu-ray, which joins Planet of the Dead in the Blu-ray category. So yay, technology. Yes, ex- excellent news. I think twenty first century. They're, I think they announced it for September, if I'm not mistaken, the Blu-ray, and the 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 real announcement for Children on Earth air dates still are pending. I mean, everyone's speculating that they just haven't been public yet. There has been no official word yet. So that's that. That is that. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Podshock, and you are listening to Colin Baker.
Hey, for those in the Cambridge, Massachusetts area, the Brattle Theater wants you to know about Hooked on Who 3. Here's the scoop. They're screening three Doctor Who stories. On Friday, May 29th at 9.30 p.m., Tom Baker as the Doctor in The Talents of Wang Chiang. Saturday, May 30th at 1.30 p.m., Tom Baker as the Doctor in The Pyramids of Mars. Then later on that same day, also May 30th at 9.30 p.m., David Tennant in The Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. A donation of at least $5 per night is required to reserve a seat for Hooked on Who 3. Donate at least $25 to reserve your limited edition of Hooked on Who t-shirt. Your reservation information must be received by 8 p.m. on Friday, May 29th. Additional seats will be available at each screening, first come, first served. And you are encouraged to come in costume. Once again, that's the Brattle Theater. That's B-R-A-T-T-L-E Theater. It's 40 Brattle Street, Harvard Square, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02138. Their phone number is 617-876-6837. And their website is www.brattlefilm.org. Okay, we're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and uh, I know we had mentioned that this isn't a Torchwood show, it's a Doctor Who show, but it's we do cover other British science fiction, and that includes some Blake 7 sometimes, and I know Ken has just been recently listening to some Blake 7 um, treasures via audible.com, and we want to thank audible.com for sponsoring our show. It's just like this podcast, you can listen to it whenever and wherever you like. It's an audible, an audio book that you can listen to there are thousands of titles that are available not just they have thousands in science fiction and fantasy and um, and science and technology but uh there it covers the whole gambit of all different genres audible has it covered fifty thousand titles and you can get a free audible download when you sign up for a free trial all you need to do is go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash Pawchalk and get your free Audible book today. So, Ken, yes. you were listening to um, a Blake 7 Audible download, right? Uh, see, now you're turning this... You, you went, we went from Doctor Who to Torchwood now to, to well, Blake that was, 7, which, by the way, there are Torchwood audiobooks on Audible. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Torchwood fan, they are, they're on there. And uh, I, I downloaded the two Blake 7 books now. They took Trevor Hoyle's uh, Blake Seven, the beginning, and they split it in half, and they have Gareth Thomas doing the first two episodes, and they just tr- strictly call it the way back, but it, it also includes Spacefall, and then they have Paul Darrow doing um, Cygnus Alpha, and I listened to both of them back to back. As a matter of fact, they listened to Paul Darrow's twice because his read on it is a lot of fun. It's, he's definitely Avon, <laughs> and uh, and it's great. I really enjoyed them. There's a little bit of music, there's a little bit of sound effects thrown in just to to um, break up the reading so it's not too dry. Uh, as an example, Gareth Thomas is, uh, if you remember the, the pilot episode, they, he goes, uh, he sneaks out of the city and he's in this uh, sort of cavern or 
whatever. It's not really a cavern. It was more like a, an old garage or something, just a big concrete thing. And he's going to see a group of people that are planning on rebelling. And when they're in this cavernous area, there's a nice echo on the vocals, which is kind of cool. You know, you're imagining in your mind what he's describing with his dialogue, but then you're hearing that, that bit of an echo and it just kind of sells it to you, you know, and pushes you over the edge. And Gareth Thomas does uh, a Robert Beatty impersonation that's dead on in that. That was great. You know, uh, does a little touch of an American accent, even though Beatty's um, was, I think he was a Canadian, but known for uh, the 10th planet, and the pilot episode of Blake 7 in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and about 8 billion other great things. So that was a nice little touch. Just mm-hmm. uh, And, and for those that don't know, Blake 7 is created by Terry Nation, the same uh, writer that came up with the Daleks story and really launched Doctor Who and brought it to uh, the forefront where it is today. Well, he's one of the many that, that when, have done that. So When you go onto Audible and you type in Blake 7, three things will come up. You'll have these two audio books now, The Way Back and and Cygnus Alpha. And then there's also one called The Radio Adventures, which actually Barry Letts did. Um, And as a Blake 7 fan, I have to say that it's it's a bit of a letdown. So don't let that be your first impression of Blake 7. Either see the episodes or listen to this. This These are the earliest stories, and they're delivered in a wonderful way. So that even if you haven't seen any of the episodes or don't have an opportunity to view them, let's say you live in America where we're, we're Blake 7 free thanks to nobody actually releasing Region 1 DVDs, maybe this is your only exposure to Blake 7. And it's a great story and, and it's, a, it's a great way to, to be introduced to it. It's not, it's not the best way. Of course, we'd love to see the show, but it's a nice way of doing it. Don't go with the audio adventures as your first ex- impression of what Blake Seven is about. It was that was more of a nostalgia kind of thing, like, oh, it would be great, you know, to to do some Blake Seven for the anniversary and stuff. And it's good. It's not great. I really like these books much better. Well let's hear a little bit of from Sickness Alpha. This is Paul Darrow that's um that narrates this and he's um and for those um that's unfamiliar, he plays Avon in Blake Seven, but he's also in the Doctor Who story Time Lash. And the Silurians. Throwing it yep. into the fire where it spat and sizzled. We must go to him and tell him there is new bounty come from the outer darkness. Together they watched as the glowing orb of light slowly descended towards the desolate wasteland of Cygnus Alpha. Commander Leyland stood pensively before the scanner screen, watching the planet loom gradually larger, much of its surface masked by dense layers of swirling grey mist. He shivered involuntarily. Even to visit such a hellhole of a world for a few short hours filled him with a sense of uneasy foreboding. It was the place of the damned, lost souls crying in the wilderness. His morbid reverie was interrupted by his junior officer, who came to stand at his elbow. For Arctic, landing on one of the planets of the outer systems was still a thrilling experience. How long before we put in? he asked, a slight catch in his voice. About 14 STUs, Leylan answered bleakly. He adjusted a control dial, and the planet's misty outline sharpened into focus. Some of its topographical features... No, that's Paul Darrow. 
<laughs> yes, uh, two-time uh, Doctor Who guest star. And uh, for for Torchwood fans, and I'm always going to bring this back around for you guys, uh, for Torchwood fans, Gareth Thomas was in the first mm. season of Torchwood as That's a guest right. star in Ghost Machine. So if you if you want to make that connection, if that helps you say... All right, I'll check out Blake 7. But that's not the only thing on Audible. I mean, there's tens of thousands of titles. It's not just sci-fi. It's any kind of audiobook. And I know that on my, on my to-buy list is Naomi Klein's The Shock Doctrine. So that'll just give you an example that you don't necessarily have to buy sci-fi. You know, you can go and get other things. So Now, we have to remind all our listeners, since this, this is an international show, that this Audible.com offer is uh, for the U.S. only, and that's not by our choice. It's um, Audible. Sorry, James. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. having said that, we've had a, a listener send us feedback saying that they did contact Audible.com UK, and they offered them the free download as well. So, you know, you can, you know, take that route as well. If if you so choose, you know, contact them and see, you know, that they, they may offer it to you anyway. But if you go to um, audiblepodcast.com slash podshock, you can get your free Audible book today. Again, that's a free Audible book download when you sign up for a free trial and check it out and pick whatever you like. And um, and if it's not available in your country, maybe contact the division of audible.com in your area and see what they can do for you. Well, one of the mm. things I wanted to say about Audible is they have a great customer service department, and they're they're very uh, attentive, and they're very concerned with with keeping um, your the customers and the members happy because it's just like a subscription service. You really are a member. It's like it's kind of um, it's kind of like um, what's that mo- movie thing where you mail it in Netflix? It's like. Mm-hmm. Well, that you actually have to give it back. This is just a straightforward download, but you, it's a subscription thing. You get a credit, and you go and you pick your thing, and boom, you you get it on a monthly basis, and or whenever you want, you can set your schedule, and you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to take this month. I'm going to go get this, and that's kind of what happened with me. I got, I all of a sudden had two credits sitting in there. I said, I'm going to get both like seven bucks, and bada boom, bada bing, there you go. So if you do have a problem, you can just con- contact. Um, Audible, their customer service is, is very good and, and, like I said, very very attentive. If they can get it done, they will get it done. And it gives you something to listen to while you're waiting for the next episode of Dotu Podshock. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. The old Jedi mind trick. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Audible.com, for your support. And thank you, the listeners, for supporting us both. Yes. Okay, so what we have next is a report from the Fab Cafe event that took place last weekend at the time of this recording. It was last weekend. It was the May 3rd, I believe, the 3rd of May, which several podcasters had attended, including uh, our very own Dave A.C. Cooper was there. He's filing a report. Also filing a report with us is Tim Drury, who's uh, been many times on our live show that we do. So um, both their reports are here, and they can fill us in what the Fab Cave was was about. I know Colin Baker was there, and Nicola Bryant, uh, Sylvester McCoy, um, lots of other people, Mark Strickson. So, um, well, don't let me talk about it, because I wasn't there. So let's hear what they had to say. Uh, let's see. Hello, Lewis, Ken, James. Uh, I'm sitting in uh, the... It's called the Tiger Lounge, I think, at uh, the end of uh, what might best be termed a somewhat uh, chaotic 
Well, at times, chaotic day at um, who at the Fab Cafe. Uh, it started uh, well with... Uh, who, who was the first guest of the day, Chris? I can't remember now. There was a big Finnish panel. Oh, yes, we had the big Finnish panel with uh, Lisa... Lisa, Lisa Bowman. Uh, David da- David... Uh, John Ainsworth and David Richardson. And then... Uh, then we had um, Fraser Hines, who was extremely entertaining, and it's the first time I'd seen him at a con in several years. And I apologise for the background noise, but we are in a very busy bar. Uh, then, uh, then, then the organisation of the um, day started uh, falling apart, and they ran about. It was about an hour late, wasn't it, for Mark Strickson? I wasn't yeah, to yeah. But I think it was at least an hour late because we were left sitting around, and uh, eventually uh, Mark Strickson showed up. And uh, Mark Mark Strickson himself was very good, but then the rest of the day seemed to run about at least half an hour late uh, after that. And so after Mark Strickson, uh, we went for lunch. And then we came back and we had a very entertaining panel with Colin Baker and uh, Nicola Bryant. And then after that, another bit of a pause. And uh, we had um, uh, also first time I'd ever seen him at a con with Sophie. It was uh, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, who were also extremely good. And Sylvester currently touring in a little shop of horrors and is sporting a, a, a moustache at the moment that rather, rather suits him. And then they uh, finished the day uh, with a, a confrontational quiz called Doctor versus Doctor, within which Colin Baker and uh, Sylvester McCoy competed against each other. And uh, I, I think people's main complaint today has been that of uh, a bad organisation. Because it's an audio recorder, not an electric shaver. Everybody says that. I think I'm going to have to leave it here, Lewis. Well, that was Tim Drury, and this is Dave AC, who is filing this report from the Fab Cafe. Hi, Lewis, Ken and James, and everybody at uh, Doctor Who Podshot. A little bit of feedback from Dave AC on his first Doctor Who convention. Yes, I've only been a fan for about 45 years, and I thought it was about time I uh, actually went to one of these uh, fan events. Now, I have reported and been to various charity ones, you know, the Invasion of the Daleks in Manchester, the, um, the Hyde fundraisers, but this is the first time I've actually been to a paying con where you have proper... Doctor Who, as we would now call it, classic series guests. And what a great one to start with. Now, there were some issues with the venue, and I'll perhaps come to that, but I want to be very positive about this, because that's my overall impression. It was fabulous. Let me just give you a brief outline of the guest list, and you'll know from that that I was in for a treat. Well, there were two Doctors there for a start. Double your money. We had Colin Maker the Sixth Doctor, and Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor. And each uh, did a, uh, a session uh, with a respective companion. So Colin Baker had Perry, that's Nicola Bryant, with him, and Sylvester McCoy had Sophie Aldred, Ace, with him, which made for really great chats. But they were, you could say, the main events of the day. Although, in actual fact, it started off 
right from the go. Now, the venue is small, as I said, and uh, we arrived there at about half nine in the morning. Tim Jury come with me, stayed overnight. In fact, we'd actually been out on the town the night before and met up with uh, a couple of Chrissy's and Jackie and uh, Nat, and uh, we'd had a couple of pints in the pub. That was a great event. Of course, some of those people uh, I knew, but I knew them as Twitterers, not by their real name. So uh, uh, I want to really concentrate on the actual event itself. So let's get back to Fab Cafe. We got a front row seat for the morning session, and that started with the big finish panel. And um, the people that were on that included the lady who plays Bernice Summerfield. And uh, I'm going to play a very short clip of that. Lisa, what have you been up to these days? Well, I've, I've been directing a couple of the what well, quite a few companion <laughs> chronicles today, <laughs> and. Um, I've said before, actually, at a convention, quite a few of the companions haven't recreated their roles since they played them on television. And it's been really interesting seeing whether they can, A, sound younger, but actually whether they click back into it. We were talking about Katie Manning last week playing Joe. She hadn't played it since those early days, and she just slipped right back into it. She was fantastic, wasn't she? It's almost surreal. Well, actually, what has been interesting, we've had people like Jim Marsh coming back to play Sarah Kingdom. And of course, she hadn't played the role since the mid-60s. So, I mean, obviously coming in, she was you know, probably not quite sure how it was going to be. And yet we got to the end of the first one, and she wants to do a second. And now we've done the second, and she wants to do the third. So, I mean, she really loves doing them. Trevor Baxter and Christopher Benjamin playing Shea Go and Lightfoot for the first time in 30 years. Um, talent of Wayne Chiang, if I'm not yeah. preaching to the converted. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bought the DVD, and for that, and we kind of, at the lunchtime, we sat oh, down, and we were watching the extras, and we were in hysterics. Right, uh, that's just a brief sampler of what uh, Big Finish were doing. Then it came straight to Fraser Hines. Now, Jamie, of course, one of my favourite companions from one of my favourite doctors, was uh, really excellent, had lots of little stories. He was really a joy to listen to, and I'll give you a brief sample of that. Well, you, you've been in from the beginning, and that's what well, yeah, I, oh, I, yeah, I, I joined Patrick the Second Doctor. It, it's been great to see actually how the programme has gone from black and white, yeah. then into colour, and then into the show that we've got today, which is budget-wise a lot, yeah. lot bigger budget. In fact, we were doing uh, one of the audios for the BBC, uh, Wendy Pabry and I, uh, The Invasion, and we broke for coffee. And we said, I wonder what the budget was for this episode. And one of the guys said, oh, just a minute. And he came back ten minutes later with this great big sort of solicitor's folder down up with a ribbon. Blew the, the dust off. Oh, no. Ah, yes. Ronald Lee Hunt was on £110 an episode. He was a special guest. You were on £64 an episode. Fraser, the, the set cost £1,200. And I thought, the BBC has kept all the paperwork, but they've burnt the episodes. <laughs> and straight after that... Uh... Well, there was nothing. This was one of the things. There was a long gap. Um, after a long delay, an apologetic Mark Strickson came. Um, and, of course, uh, that is Thurlow from The Fifth Doctor's Time. I'll just play a little part of his uh, chart talking about Doctor Who. I've just done a... Well, just about 18 months ago, Peter and I did a commentary for the new version of Enlightenment, um, the one with Linda Barron, with the ships going through space. And they've redone the special effects on that. And the special effects for one episode of the new version cost more than all four episodes cost originally to make. <laughs> that puts it in some comparison about how little we were making Doctor Who for. And that's actually, that's one reason John Nathan Turner got the gig. Um, they were going to pull Doctor Who anyway, and John Nathan Turner 
basically said to BBC, I can make it for less than you think anybody can make it for. And he did. So you can... Yeah. Yeah. Almost killed us in the process. Yeah. So, uh, then it was lunchtime, straight back, and then, of course, on came Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant. Well, Nicola looked absolutely stunning. Um, a lot of people thought she looked like Audrey Hepburn with the dark glasses, which she did apologise for. She'd left her other glasses at the hotel. And Colin Baker, well, he looked hale and hearty. I'm going to say that. Hale and hearty. Uh, Matt Smith is taking over as, as the new doctor. Do we think he's too young or do we think he's going to be good? Right, I will answer that. I can see you looking good. Yeah, no, I've got an answer for that. Um, both of those things. <laughs> uh, I think you'll be good because for, I haven't seen him to be honest, but from what everybody tells me, he's a really exceptionally fine actor. So that's part one of the. I'm just sad, and I could be proved wrong, that they're going for the same again. Because David Tennant, fabulous actor, and young, appealing to a young <coughs> female audience, which hasn't always been the case with Doctor Who. You know, girls have not been tuned in to Doctor Who in exactly. the past. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they got young. Because girls are very shallow and all they want is some eye candy, quite frankly. They cast pretty boys. Um, when I heard that Pastor and Joseph was in the mix, um, I thought that was an inspirational idea. And I got quite excited that the BBC was going to join the real world where we have Barack Obama and you know, racing drivers who, you know, who are winners and golfers who are winners who happen to be black. A black doctor who fantastic, why not? And they did, they got another pretty boy. But I'm sure he'll be lovely and you'll all love him, so I will now sit back. <laughs> Nick, I think you had an answer for that one. Yes, I do. I probably tied in briefly with the whole falling in love thing. So, in a way, I wish the relationship between the Doctor and the Companion was much more clear. When you, you make the age is much closer, then I think it, it's it, that's the territory I wish it wasn't into. But then I have to say that I saw Matt Smith in that face. Um, in West I think it was his last night, actually. And he was phenomenal. In fact, his pen rolled up stage and I picked it up and put it on. <laughs> Which is weird. Only afterwards I thought, that's funny, and I was his assistant without him knowing. <laughs> We then went straight to uh, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. And yet again, uh, really good act. Uh, Sylvester looks slightly different with his moustache. Sophie Aldred looks uh, lovely as well. And she was very kind, uh, along with all the answers and questions about how she got into Dot 2 and her, her fond memories of uh, Brian Kant. And uh, she even sang for us. And that was really one of the big highlights of the night. What are you doing? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm doing a little shovel of horrors. Do you ever stop and think, 20 years since I played Doctor Who, you know, or do you just keep, keep doing the work? No, no, I never think of it. I just meet people like you and you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years! That seems like a long time to me since we last finished. We, we, we never really stopped. No, we didn't stop. Because, I mean, when we stopped, then we started again with... Um, Bill Banks doing stuff immediately, and, and it just carried on. We've been doing it quietly and secretly. And of course, you were in Doctor Who at Christmas. You had a brief appearance in the Christmas special. Oh, Do you know this? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that all the Doctors were flashed up on a screen in the Christmas oh, special. I was flashed up on a screen. Did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I hope they paid me. Did you not get the check? Cole, Cole says he got his check through as well. Did, did you not get your check? No. I don't know. 
But uh, so Sophie, always, I mean, do, how do you look at companions now? Do you think that that was the, because I, I, I'm convinced that Ace was the predecessor to Rose and Martha and those type of characters, because she was, she was pushing the envelope a lot. She was different to every other companion gone before. Do you think that, that was the case? Do you think that uh, a bit more depth to Ace than there had been before? I mean, I love the character in Rose. I absolutely loved Billy Piper's portrayal of Rose. I thought it was wonderful, wonderful writing, wonderful acting, and I thought it was, you know, so successful and right of, of the moment. And, I mean, if, if I could have been uh, said, if, if the character of Ace could have been said to be influencing that, I would be very, very happy. Well, I think she did, definitely. I think she was... Uh... Uh, and later, after a break, we um, had um, Doctor v Doctor. Apparently the Sixth Doctor had challenged um, the Fifth Doctor to uh, one of these sort of quiz nights uh, to previous con and uh, Sixth Doctor Colin Baker had won that and so it was a rematch now with the Seventh Doctor. And they did some mock uh, uh, animosity during the course of this and it, but it was mostly light-hearted banter and it was really well done and uh, the Seventh Doctor with some very weird scoring just managed to uh, win in the end. And that basically was uh, the end but uh, really it was you know an ex apart from two big delays during the course of the day and um, the rather cramped nature of the the venue um, it was an absolutely brilliant intro into the world of conventions and then after we'd eaten our, our evening meal uh, that we actually went back for a good hour of comedy that Mark Strickson uh, compared um, which took us all the way up to virtually um, at 10 o'clock at night so it was um, a rather excellent event all in all so with that uh, just before I bring this long feedback to an end uh, let me just say uh, thanks to all the Fab Cafe staff uh, and Erica Edgerton uh, for organising the event for the big Finnish crew that were there uh, selling the uh, discs to Charlie Ross and all the other comics who um, uh, helped out during the day and of course did the cabaret uh, at the end of the night plus how great was it to finally meet uh, Michael of the Tin Dog podcast the guys of uh, Tacky on TV Chris Burgess from uh, Radio Free Scarrow, Steve Hatcher from the Hoovers, Nat, I've already mentioned, 36, Chris, uh, Dr. Vendetta from the Gallifreyan Embassy, uh, Capricorn One, and uh, there was also Cathal uh, Ray Tube Frank there, and the small number of people who actually recognised me and came up, said hello to me. So uh, with that, um, that's about it. And uh, with those clips included, I think that's going to be a long enough feedback report, Lewis. So um, everybody, uh, I hope that gives you a feeling of, uh, of what it was like for me as a first time. And uh, back to you, Lewis. Bye. And thank you, Dave. And thank you, Tim, as well. Excellent reporting there from both of you. And it uh, sounded like a, a fabulous event at the Fab Cafe. And I sure hope the second convention for Dave is in Los Angeles in February 2010. <laughs> you hear that, Dave? Your fans demand it. They do indeed. So um, I'm glad everyone had a great time at the cafe and it both everyone was tweeting about it and posting pictures and it felt like I was um, almost there. So um, I appreciate everyone's reporting live on the event and we try to do that as well whenever possible as long as there's internet access where we happen to be. And um, so it's, um, it's great getting that live coverage and these podcasts will help. I know um, we did a obviously this report here and I know other podcasts I've been reporting as well from the Fab Cafe. So well, that's, uh, the, that's the cool part about it is that everybody's been pitching into different podcasts to get the report out. So you have multiple coverage and you have different people covering different things. And 
beautiful I'm sure thing. Dave will be doing something for the CIA if he has, you know, the podcast as well if he hasn't already. So, good stuff. Indeed. Very cool. It's fitting that not too long after the Doctor Who Easter special, Planet of the Dead, that we would feature um, Easter eggs. And they're not the colorful things uh, that, that you paint up at Easter time when you take a egg and and paint it and put it around waiting for the Easter Bunny. No, we're talking about the the hidden gems that are on DVDs, and you can find them on, on loads of DVDs, actually all types of DVDs. It doesn't necessarily have to be Doctor Who or science fiction, but some of the coolest stuff is on sci-fi DVDs, that's for sure, or concert ones sometimes if there's an extra song. Doctor Who is no stranger to Easter eggs, and there's a bunch of them, and we have a link to Doctor Who and the video website of evil on our website, podshock.net or gallifreyembassy.org. That's always a, a favorite stopover of mine to check out some of the new releases and announcements. And they have a section on Easter eggs specifically dedicated to Doctor Who. So that's that's pretty cool. If you Some people like to try to find them on their own. Some people, just like me, just cheat and wait for someone else to discover them because... I wind up pressing all different buttons, and the next thing you know, I'm in mono <laughs> on my DVD well, player. <laughs> see, well, that's the problem with Easter eggs now. I, to me, I feel they've outlived their usefulness. The Easter eggs really um, originated from video games, and back in the day, in the early days of home video gaming... Uh, Adventure was the first one, if I remember correctly. Um, but I can't Where recall, it had possibly. programmed by Warren Robinette behind the wall. <laughs> Well, they were, the programmers were were not allowed to get uh, credit for the work that they were doing doing these let's Atari twenty six hundred game cartridges and whatnot. So what they did was they would hide their credits within the game itself, and you would have to do something uh, to find this hidden um, trigger that would trigger the credits. And um, then it became more elaborate. Sometimes there were games within games, so it wasn't just the credits. You would actually get a treat. So it became. It's sort it? of um, an Easter egg, something that you would you would find, and it would reward you not just with the credits of a name, but with another game. And this, these were hidden from the publishers, so um, so that they can get their credit in. <laughs> There's nothing better than something subversive. What's well, a game <laughs> within a game? <laughs> so, uh, and this carried over to home computers, and um, there was uh, certain key combinations that you would do in a in a business application. Then all of a sudden, you're playing Space Invaders. So, <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the Easter egg tradition really comes from. And when DVDs came out, it, they started hiding little things in them as well. And my problem is that sometimes you miss content because you can't find it. And sometimes these Easter eggs to get them, not really, I'm thankful, not in the case with Doctor Who, but with some other DVDs, you really you have to do a series of keys and combinations yeah. and stand on your head and rub your tummy and then with your feet, play, <laughs> you know, click the remote. The, before the Star you, Wars prequel DVDs yes. to get the blooper reel is like, you know, you have to type in the numbers and you put them in blah, blah, in the blah. right sequence at the right time, yeah. only on Tuesdays when it's sunny out. Right. <laughs> and it just becomes too, it becomes a chore. And sometimes, you know, you just don't have the time. You just want to get to the content that you want without having to go through the chore of finding it or doing this whole process. Well, now, the first thing we want to say is that Easter eggs are very cool. And we do appreciate the fact that the restoration team and the, and the companies like uh, originally Warner and now to entertain continue to put Easter eggs on the DVDs. And, and some of them are, are just like little 
gems like um they when they in the black and white era they would have some of the um uh, logos or things tagged on for example if they were distributing it distributing it overseas it might have bbc tv enterprises or or something like that or a little introduction um in the beginning and they've included that or they've had the slates you know the t- the countdown slate which prior to digital technology master control operators would have to go and roll the tape and time it and then take the source hot and all this kind of stuff. And they would go off a countdown clock and people would, might be familiar with the whole boop, boop, you know, and the, the thing spinning around and the number changing in three, two, and there was never a one because it would drop the black. Well, some of the original ones were done with an actual, like, ticking wind-up clock and a chalk slate where they would write in whatever they were going to put on the leader, you know, heading into the into the program. It's just, it's so retro, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and to the credit for Doctor Who DVDs, they make that Easter eggs a little bit more easy to find. You basically, if you take your remote and kind of go back and forth. Just between, toggle around a bit. Yeah, you'll find it. Usually, like the Doctor Who logo in the, you know, the top banner will, will um, you know, light, light up green, up. knowing yeah. that that's mm-hmm. a hot item, and you can click it and get to the Easter egg. And as Ken was saying, it could be anything. It could be shut and, um, short and sweet, or um, it could be a, an elaborate interview. Um, and then, if to my understanding, on the, um, the, the, the most recent re-release of The Five Doctors, you get a David Tennant commentary. Well, that's probably the coolest thing that's ever been done. Mm. Seriously. I, it, it made, it, it's just ridiculous that the current Doctor and, and someone who's, A, a big Doctor Who fan, and and two, he's, he's a huge star, took 90 minutes out to sit and watch The Five Doctors and talk about how much he loved it. But you could be completely oblivious to it, as I was, before learning that he, that he did it, if you didn't find the Easter egg. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's a shame that some of this wonderful content goes unseen if you're not familiar with Easter eggs and, and how to hunt for them. And thus, that's the reason for this segment today is kind of if, if you are new to Doctor Who DVDs and many of you are that you may have just come to Doctor Who with the new series and now you're exploring the past episodes, what some refer as to as the classic series, you may not be aware that there are hidden gems on these on many of these DVDs, not all of them. So sometimes you'll come across a DVD that won't have any Easter eggs and out of frustration, you'll be well, searching. None that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yet is the, is the big thing because I'm sure there are loads of people as soon as the DVD comes out particularly over, like the guys over at Doc2 and the video website of Evil who will spend hours trawling through making sure that they've got all of the the Easter eggs there so people can who are lazy like you and I can, can go along there and find <laughs> yeah. out what's, what's I, the new I, Easter egg here yeah. I, don't, I, I don't have time really to say I, I did at one time when they first started coming out and on a few Easter egg websites I was some of the first posters on on Doctor Who stuff because once you kind of get the pattern, you can find them on on just about any Doctor Who release. Once you get the gist of how they're hidden. Mm -hmm. And the same thing Mm. goes for just about any series of DVDs if if you're um, following Star Trek, Star Wars, any of those kind of things. Once you get the gist of how they're going to make it accessible to you, once you know one of them, you kind of know all of them. And and like I said, they're they're very diverse. Some of them are really intricate. Something some of them are ridiculously cool, like the David Tennant one on the Five Doctors. Mm. Uh, remember that 
like as an example in the Tom Baker era from from 75 to 1981 that was really um the birth of things like this ridiculous publicity campaign I mean intensive I shouldn't say ridiculous intensive publicity campaign there was publicity for the show prior to that but he would really go and and he bit into the idea of being the doctor and some of the easter eggs on his dvds are these gems from his era where he would appear as the doctor even either in an advertisement or a a public uh, service announcement or something like that and he's in costume, and we, we're looking at Tom Baker with the curly hair and the costume, and it's not Tom Baker today trying, you know, reading something and pretending to be Doctor Who, pretending to be a, a character from 20 or 30 years ago. These are actually footage of our favorite Doctors from that time with these little extra nuggets in an arc in space. In their there, prime a, for prime computers. Well, the, the prime computer one, probably the greatest one of the whole bunch. We raved about the City of Death DVD. We did a review of it when it came out a couple years back on Podjock. And that DVD is just packed to the gills with stuff. And their Easter eggs on City of Death, there's one with John Cleese, uh, you know, where you have Tom Baker and John Cleese together on screen, two of Britain's biggest stars at the time and to this day in a mini little scene and a little little promotional item. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's a great mm. easter egg. And if you if you've missed it, you're missing out on on this great thing on your DVD. Mm. So, so there there's a there's a ton of stuff. Some of them sometimes they'll they'll shoot something specifically for the DVD. I I know on um I think it was Seeds of Death where they they had video footage of the actors recording the audio commentary. So it was almost like a security cam footage of the actors sitting at a table and <laughs> watching the episode. And that's kind of cool because you could get the facial expressions of, especially if they haven't seen it, you know, and then they're remembering something. And they'll be like, you know, sometimes the, the expressions, especially with Fraser Hines, are, are just priceless. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just recently watching uh, Planet of Evil and, and the. The East Egg was um, producer Philip Hitchcliffe um, going through the archives of the BBC and finding all these production notes and and commenting on it. So it's just stuff like that, just little treasures, little nuggets of treasures there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, Unused title sequences are are one of the favorites in there, you know, um, or clean title sequences, which are kind of cool. And I think each era has uh, a series of the opening credits, but without the episode number or title or writer or any of that. It's just, it's kind of neat to see it blank. And especially if you're a fan filmmaker, it's right off the bat. It's worth the price right there because you can mimic if you, if you're going to use a particular title sequence or something, you can utilize that and, and use some software to put your own titles in and stuff. It's just, just great stuff. And we wanted to cover it because like Lewis said, it's, um, it's something that, some new fans or or even fans who had the DVDs and were like what the hell are easter eggs you know is that the the, the little <laughs> security dot inside there or whatever they just may not be familiar with it. i'm sure most people are but but for those who aren't there's something to look out for uh, by highlighting a toggle use your toggle switch if you have that if not usually it's an arrow button up down left right and go to different pages 
on your menu screen and, and be sure to hit left and right and up and down as often as mm-hmm. you can and see when you highlight when the Doctor Who logo highlights in green and then just hit enter and see what comes up. And if you want to just do it randomly and see what pops up, you'll have a great time. Or if you want a little more direction, there you can always Google Easter eggs or DVD Easter eggs. If you, I'm sure if you just Google Easter eggs, you're going to get a whole bunch of patterns on on things that, that chickens have dropped on us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but it just uh, uh, may I may I throw one out there sure. for you? Okay, cool. Uh, th- this is the David Tennant one on the new version of the Five Doctors. You have to go to Audio Options menu on disc one, and you um, you click on the hidden Doctor Who logo on the right of the Companions commentary. So when you go to Audio Options, there's a thing that says Companion co- commentary. When you go down to that line. And move over to the right. Doc, the the logo for Doctor Who will pop up and hit enter, and that's how you'll activate David Tennant on your Five Doctors one, and you'll mm-hmm. hear David Tennant for ninety minutes watch the Five Doctors with you. And one of the things that I, I've mentioned in the past about audio commentaries, a good audio commentary when you're done listening to it, it was like the actor was sitting on the couch with you watching the episode. They'll draw mm-hmm. you in if they have something to say. Mm. And it, when you're done, you're like, wow, it's like, it was like I just watched the episode with them and what it's done well. And, uh, and David Tennant is brilliant. So it's like having David Tennant on your couch. I, some of you need to calm down. <laughs> I'm looking at my couch right now. for <laughs> Dr. Hottie in the room with you. <laughs> All right. All right well. So. Anything else, gentlemen, about Easter eggs? I, I know Lewis was, was mentioning a, a few things. By the way, the Blake 7 ones in Region 2 have Easter eggs, and they're just as cool. <laughs> you guys got me started on the, on the Blake 7 thing before. You created the monster. <laughs> All right? you, you opened up the bottle, and the genie came out. Well, we've decided that on this podcast, this whole segment on Easter eggs is hidden, so you're going to have to explore this podcast. <laughs> that would be, be so cool it. if you could well, do that. <laughs> There's an Easter egg on the podcast. That well, would be who amazing. knows? Maybe in the hands version, we'll um, include some, um, I don't know, some interesting artwork, and that you'll have to be, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back on Doctor Who Podshock with um, feedback. feedback. Why don't we do some feedback right after Yay! this? <laughs> Hey, remember when trying to find something to listen to was a chore? Then came podcasts. Now you can find just what you want and listen to it when you want. Your audio, your way. Doctor Who Podshock is made possible in part by listeners like you. We want to say thank you to all those that have and continue to support the show through the years. You can do the same by visiting podshock.net and click the donate link. Thank you, Robin Kaufman, for your recent donation. Your support helps make this show possible. I don't quite know how to promote my show Living a Second Life. I could tell you we do sim tours. I could say we interview sim 
venue owners and residents of Second Life. Or maybe I could just tell you that the show is one man's view of a virtual world. So that's Living a Second Life with me, Tim Q. Find us at tdroidorlibsyn.com or on iTunes. And we're back with Doctor Who Pachak, and we're giving some feedback. Actually, we're receiving some feedback from you. And <laughs> we're giving, we're receiving, we're just you know all around. We're just doing that. And <laughs> I'm getting a little. Lo- I'm hungry. I'm starving, and I'm like, we just got to finish Let's feedback up, instead guys. of going well, out to dinner. Your up. feedback is always welcome. You can send it to feedback at pachak.net. We also have a public call box number which is uh, 206-600-6517. A, again, that's a U.S. area code 206, so be aware of that. And you can call 24 hours a day and leave a voicemail message there for our show. It's an audio podcast, so we do appreciate audio feedback, but you can send us feedback in any form you like, but we do appreciate audio. Mm. Well, to kick things off then, last week I uh, read out a review of uh, Planet of the Dead, but I'd, I'd like to read out one from Russell, and I promised last time that I would. Mm. Uh, it's quite a lengthy email, but I'll, I'll try and maybe paraphrase bits of it. Um, but it's, it, as I say, it's from Rassilon. He says, my good and dear friends, Lewis, Ken and James, I could not ignore the opportunity to write about Planet of the Dead. Although I suspect if you read this aloud, we'll hear some debate. Still, isn't that w- what we live for? Planet of the Dead did uh, what Doctor Who always does. It puts me in great spirits. How can you not love Doctor Who? Easily the best, most enjoyable show in TV history. Even when a story is weak, you can't really can't go too wrong with it, right? It's happy, it's fun, it's morally questionable. Well, when Russell T gets involved, who knows what you're in for? I'm sure some of our listeners uh, will say that I'm being over the top, but remember the picture of my family in the gallery. Sarah is part of this demographic of which I will speak. Sarah, uh, they they showed this fantastic picture, which is over in our media gallery, which they, they took of the entire family and the entire Rasslons family, all in podshock shirts. And Sarah's a little girl who looks rather upset to be <laughs> uh, po- photographed, particularly in the podshock shirt. Just to, to go into that a little bit. I confess I did not even make this link right away. In fact, uh, after uh, my wife pointed it out, it didn't really dawn on me fully until the celebrity appearance was on Sunday night. I was amazed to see Chloe Cardison fired because of something completely unrelated to a task. Trump fired her because she had a DUI. Wow, I was so proud of him. To have the moral stance to do that because he felt so strongly about it that it didn't matter if there were a more suitable contestant. He just had to stand his ground. He even told her that he lost respect for her because of the DUI. Trust me, I'm not saying Trump is a moral compass, but he did take a stand on a serious issue here and he would not budge, even if he didn't want to fire Chloe. How does this tie in with our favourite time traveller? There's a message perpetuated in today's society that one need not think about the consequences of one's actions. I have long told my family that Doctor Who is the most wholesome show on television, yet thanks to RTD, the Doctor is shown to impede the law and is and free a known felon. Of course, the argument is that Lady Christina ultimately sacrifices her possible fortune in favour of saving everyone, but that does not undo what she has already done. 
This clearly is not her first theft. Yes, the doctor was a renegade himself, but he too had to stand to trial for his actions. And with the new series, you'd think he'd recognise that more than ever. In fact, thinking back to the long game stroke Bad Wolf, the Doctor knows that actions have consequences. By releasing Lady Christina, he says there is no consequences for your actions. Yes, she gives him the chalice, but how long would it have taken for her fellow bus riders to beat it out of her after, to avoid being killed? Was there really any other choice? If the, rich wa- if the wrist watch were really gold, would Christina have turned over the chalice? Given the chance at freedom and knowing she lives for adventure, is there any doubt that she will go back to a life of crime? And if you think about it, she came back without the chalice. There really would be no case against her. Without the evidence to incriminate her, the case would likely be thrown out of court and she'd be free the next day. This entire action has the capacity to send a a message. A beautiful woman should be given a chance to escape punishment or consequences in general simply because she's a beautiful woman. My argument over the years about our favourite British institution is shot down in that singular action. Had the Doctor stood his ground, he could have always gone to trial, they could have opted to have one as character witness and have been able to reduce her sentence, but at least her actions would have been paid for. The Doctor could still maintain the image of that moral compass. Don't misunderstand. I like the Lady Christina and I wanted to get her to get away. But had she done so on her own merit, that would have been one thing. With the doctor's assistance, he defies the law blatantly, and that may be a part that works against him the most. This action says it's okay to do something illegal as long as you say sorry. I'm sure Casey uh, Anthony would love to know that. Hey, she does have a twinkle in her eye and even a big smile, and really just wants to have fun. So how different is she from Lady Christina? Perhaps in the November special, the doctor can go rescue Casey too. To say all of this, I must assume I am particularly critical of this show. On the contrary, I try and defend it and draw recruits at every turn. Russell T. brought back the Doctor, but that's all he's really done. It's the other writers who have carried the Doctor these last four years. He's been single-handedly responsible for the worst stories the series has ever had. New Earth, Partners in Crime, and his writing has more in common with Swiss cheese than bears thinking about He should absolutely be consulted for scenes of emotional impact, but for false stories. He has to be ignored, pointed and mocked at, both publicly and secretly, and in secret circles. This singular scene was very detrimental to the argument that I've had for years, that there is no better, more wholesome show to watch. How can I make that argument when the Doctor releases a criminal? I mean, good Lord, Lady Christina could have asked a pen... uh, asked for a pen to which he'd give one freely. Then picking the lock would have been her own doing and he could have rejoiced that Lady Burglar escaped without compromising the morality that the Doctor stands for. Understand that this is not a critique that she escaped, but that the Doctor, our moral guide, blatantly allows it to happen. And if anyone bothered to watch The Confidential, they even describe Christina as someone who lives in the moment. Is that what we want our kids to learn? Not thinking about the consequences of their actions? I am sorry. I love Doctor Who. I will always love Doctor Who. And I will go on watching Doctor Who. But my God, I'm so glad that Russell is stepping down. Yeah, people will likely say I'm taking this too seriously. But honestly, look at the state of the world right now. 
Bernie Madoff, Stan O'Neill, etc. Living for the moment, like so many other Wall Street geniuses, this is the very mindset that hurt our current world and has an employment rate so high. Greed and living for the moment, the two things that Lady Christina represents. Why would the doctor feel that without forcing her to stand trial for her actions? I am sure I will be criticised for this one, but hey, let the debate begin. Rassilon. Oh, thanks for that really interesting, lovely long email, Rassilon, mate. That's, you've made a lot of interesting points, ones that I didn't really think about at the time. Um, I was of the standpoint that, that the Doctor didn't really free Lady Christina as sort of let her go. He didn't do anything to stop her from escaping. He just sort of helped it along. And uh, I think really, um, yes, she is a criminal or has been a criminal in the past. But I think that the doctor stepping into her life has, will make her change her ways. She's only really um, living for the moment and doing the thing, you know, uh, stealing because she wants excitement in her life, something that the doctor has given her without the need to steal. And I think that she'll find that on her own now. And I think that was the the moral behind the story is that you don't have to to – uh, do something crazy, live in the moment just to have an adventure. You, you know, life is like the biggest adventure of all. So, Well, her um, punishment was that she didn't get to go with him. Exactly. And and that was... that was. But um, I understand the point that Rassilon is making, though, that the, yeah. the doctor is usually the moral compass and he sets the tone. Now, she she did help him save people's lives and she was involved in and let's face it the doctor is guilty of of um defacing public property there in that episode when he beat the hell out of that uh that cup <laughs> that goblet so mm. uh, so there there's um you know maybe he's trying to get himself off the hook well actually the probably her punishment is that she has to drive that stupid bus a, a stolen bus now <laughs> yeah yeah so she's well, a flying it bus it was pretty bus. ruined <laughs> I think it was um, written off. <laughs> I, I agree with the, the moral compass part. I don't agree with the Russell writing the worst episodes of the, of yeah. the series. And, and, and that's, um, again, it's, it, Rasson's writing it in a, in a constructive way. And, it, you know, we're, he's saying, okay, well, Russell's leaving, and, and I'm looking forward to the next, the next chapter, the next producer. So for those who aren't liking Russell, they know that they're just, they're just counting down the days. And for those who like them, we also know that we're getting somebody else coming along who we enjoy equally as much. And some maybe even anticipating a little bit more as face it. Stevens, you know, all, all Stephen Moffat's work had, um, to this point on Doctor Who is ridiculous. So, yeah, first there's class. no reason to believe that we're not going to enjoy um, Matt's, the Matt Smith era. Yeah, I think so, too. He's the right man for the job. He's the right man to take over from Russell. And Russell, I think, I, I, I'm with you, Ken. I kind of disagree with Russell on. Um, I can kind of appreciate that um, some of Russell T. Davis's stories, maybe in, 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 a, in a whole series, have been slightly weaker than the others. But for heaven's sakes, this guy ties the whole show together. He lives and breathes Doctor Who. He's the executive producer. If he if his stories maybe are slightly weaker than than other people's, which I don't think that they are by and large, that I think is a symptom of the fact that he's working so hard to to create an arc, to tie everything together, to um, you know put Doctor Who on our screens, which is as Doctor Who fans, that's what we want. And I think hats off to the man; he's been taken to task 
really too much, I think. And I, I think agree. That he, he'll be and remembered, uh, rightly so, as the man who brought it back and did it so well. And 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 credit, full credit to him there. The thing, the thing about it uh, as well is the show is a success, and you can never argue with success. It's more of a yeah. success than most Doctor Who fans would have ever thought. If somebody would have come to you in 2002, let's say, a couple of years before it was even a rumor, and said, if the new Doctor Who, if Doctor Who comes back, what do you think it would be like? People say, well, you know, people will watch it, and all the fans will show up, and maybe some new people will be hit. You know, would, if you would have said to them, well, it's going to be a British institution and must-see TV and relaunch family television in Britain, somebody would have gone, no way. No way. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so I th- it's overachieved. Yeah. And, and that goes back to Russell, and he deserves full credit for it. Yeah. And even okay. Russell himself has said so much, I think, that he was shocked. So it's awesome. What else do you have in the – Well, we also the, have um, – In the feed bag. <laughs> this, <laughs> the feed have, bag. This piece of audio feedback came in through our Skype um, connection. Uh, Podchock is our Skype, Skype name. So you're welcome to send feedback there too as well. So um, this was sent um, fairly recently. So let's hear this. Hello, Podshock. This is Tom Charney calling from Fairfax, Virginia. I was recently listening to uh, 144 and heard you guys talking about Hugo Awards and Dr. Horrible. Um, Typically, I stray away from musicals, but I do watch them occasionally and saw the Dr. Horrible one online a couple of days after it had come out and watched it and saw it was Joss Whedon and really enjoyed it. And if you guys are thinking about going and watching Dr. Horrible, I highly recommend it. Watch all three acts at once. It does start off a little bit slow, but it does pick up and it's very entertaining. I highly recommend it. I just started recently listening to your show and I love it. It's great to hear all this Dr. Who news um, over here in the States. And I really hope that we'll find more out about the upcoming series of Doctor Who and everything else about the Doctor. Thanks for the show. Keep up the good work, guys. Bye. And thank you. You know, I did watch one episode of that Doctor Horrible when it first came out. It was available uh, free for a limited time. And I caught the first episode and I didn't catch the others. So maybe I should have caught the others. Just the musical format isn't one that I particularly embrace myself so it's mm. um, you're running from the stereotype lewis i yes i am <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> most notably yes so yeah i i'm just not a big fan of the of the format but everyone's raving about it so who am i to argue with everyone it's just if you're um check it out you know you got no, i mean I, I think it's available on itunes probably for a small purchase fee i don't know what the cost is right now but i know originally they were available for free yeah, and the, you can buy them on DVD now as well. And they had this really interesting thing where um, they appealed to uh, fans of the show to – they have this thing called the the Evil League of Evil, the ELE, and you could put, <laughs> you could film a video of a character that you've created, an, an evil uh, a, a genius who wanted to, to join the ELE, like a, a video to petition to the, the current members, say, I would like to be a part of this and this is why and I'm so evil. And a, lot, a couple of my, my mates did, uh, did one, which sadly wasn't on the DVD, but really, really fun. And uh, I, I, you know, would be interested to buy it just for that, aside from seeing the, uh, the series as a whole. So, yeah, really cool. Okay, yes, so I, I uh, had a couple of friends who who were raving about this as well. So now I'm I'm definitely gonna have to check this out. 
Yeah. Okay, so one final email from me. Uh, nice, quick, short one in, in contrast to, to Rassilons. He says, uh, hi, guys. I got a new computer a while back, and I'm a big Doctor Who fan. I've always known about the different cons, and uh, I'm hoping to get to one sometime soon. I'm listening to the one from Gallifrey with Dashney Afbrook, and since finding your podcast, I've been enjoying them very much. Thanks ever so much for such a terrific show, and I'll be listening keenly to the planet of the dead next week and that's from rob shear cheers mate that's a nice little short succinct little email we love them and it really keeps us keeps us going i think uh, it's very humbling to get ones like that it's cool yep feedback at podshock.net is always your way to email us and and as lewis already mentioned there's 18 million ways to get in touch uh just as a quick heads up to everybody i want to continue to encourage any of the local fan groups to email us at feedback at podshock.net let us know about your group wherever you are in the world and we'd be more than happy to make a shout out there are a few people who emailed based on this call out saying have you heard about something here have you heard about something there we're still collating some data, and I want to do a, a full-on like segment on that once I have a little bit more information. You haven't been ignored. Trust me. This is a great thing. I love the idea that we're getting the word out. I know the people down in Texas, we put some people in touch there, and, and, and that group is doing great. You know, they've, they've had a group there, and some new, peop- some new faces have showed up, same with Raleigh and, and, uh, and here in New York with DWNY. I mean, their, their group has grown. Um, they've, they've doubled in the last year because – New York is a is a mecca in the United States for Doctor Who fandom between New York and New Jersey mm. from back in the days with PBS and now with the new show, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a way of communi- of of commu- um, creating a community of Doctor Who fans, a, a way of meeting other people who have a similar interest. And let's just face it, it's a great fandom. Everybody's very people seem to be very. Um, Open Friendly mind. and open, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and so go and meet other people. It's great. You share a common interest, and you share a positive interest. Mm. You know, Doctor Who's a positive thing, so let's keep that going. And feel free to email me with your stories and your events. If you have an event anywhere in the in the country or anywhere in the world, you say yeah. we're having a meet up. Can you give a shout out? Great. If, if you have some advance notice, that would be wonderful. And um, <laughs> speaking of advance notice. This was in Yahoo News this morning, and, and we missed it because there's no advance notice. Kylie Minogue uh, turned on the lights at the Empire State Building yesterday. Did, Did she? Didn't, didn't tell anybody. I found it on Yahoo UK, of all things. Nothing here in New York about it. And if we would have had like a day's notice, some Doctor Who fans could have been there. Well, it's a good thing because yeah. the building's been dark for 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 years now. So now it's um. Well, ever since the Daleks screwed it up, it <laughs> yeah. hasn't been the same. Well, speaking of events, it's always an event when we get a call to the Doctor Who Pachak public call box, and we do have um we did get one, and here's a, a quick message from that. Hi, Lewis, Ken, and James. Um, my name is Chris, calling from North Carolina. Um, I'm a big fan of Podshock. I've been listening to you guys now for a couple of years, and uh, I've got a long work commute, and you guys really help make uh, the, the commute go by very quickly. So I just want to give you a big thanks for that. Uh, the uh, stretch of road that I travel is probably the most boring stretch of road in the world. Um, but uh, great job on the Podshock. Um, just, you know, everything is just always enjoyable. Um, 
only thing is, I just wish you guys were, you know, were a little more frequent with the uh, the podcasts coming out. But I understand you guys have other things going on. Um, but it's just a sign of how good it is. You just want more. Um, so anyway, just great job, and I uh, look forward to hearing uh, more podcasts as they come out. And uh, thanks again. Oh, thank you. There, there is a group in Raleigh, by the way, um, a Doctor Who group. They're wonderful, and they're on – I think they have a, a, a website and a MySpace page. I remember seeing it on there. So if you're interested in meeting up with other Doctor Who fans, there they are. And Feel you can um, supplement your Doctor Who Podshock listening with also the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi that all three of us do. And I do the Sonic News Driver, and you can listen to those podcasts. And in addition to um, Audible.com audios as well, you can listen to those in between Doctor Who Podshock episodes. All the Doctor Who podcasts are wonderful as well. All our, our friends, yeah. we have nice, a nice community of podcasters, and, and we all support each other, and that's a great thing. Thumbs up to everybody. Um, because we're all providing content for Doctor Who fans, we're all bringing something to the table so that if you do have a long commute, you have a lot of Doctor Who things to listen to and not a, a whole lot of junk on the radio that you might not want to hear. You want to hear about stuff you're interested in, and that's the, that's the genius of podcasting. So thank you so much for the, for the, um, the feedback. It's, it's great stuff, and there was something else I wanted to tell them about. I well, while you're thinking, I just want to remind everyone the public call box number is 206-600-6517, 24 hours a day. Give a call, leave a message. We want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> and I, I also, uh, well, Ken's thinking. Yeah, I know, the wheels things, are turning. Uh, <laughs> the wheels are turning, yeah, the hamster in, in the cog and everything. Um, but I, I wanted to, to give a shout-out to anybody and everybody who has either um, started following me on Twitter or who's added me on Facebook as a result of Podshock. It really is awesome. Uh, yeah, you can Lewis, find James at twitter.com slash James Norton. Follow yeah. him now. That's an yeah, and uh, oh. Lewis is there as well. Uh, and we're all on Facebook, all three of us, and it's really awesome to, to – to, uh, every day I get maybe two or three requests, sometimes even more, from people saying, hey, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Podshock. Will you be my friend on Facebook? Of course I will. It's awesome to meet yeah, you guys. Yeah, that's really the thing that – like, you know, you – it's just nice because we again we, I've said this 18 million times. If I had a dollar, I'd be a millionaire. Uh, <laughs> but, but saying that we we do this for free. We do it because we enjoy it. You know, we we're, we all volunteer to do podcasting. And that being said, our way of of uh, our sort of recognition, the way we know that people are out there and, and appreciate what we're doing, is when when they do add us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or send us a feedback or something like that. That's really that makes our day. And and yeah. I was. I, when I was on the Who on Who podcast with with David Huey, um, we were talking a little bit about this. How you know it's like, does, is it is it true? Does that really inspire you guys? I'm like, yeah, of course. And you'll see it now that you have your own podcast. You're going to get people who are going to be like, oh, thanks. You know, you make my commute go by or something like that. And those things just make it makes it, it makes these couple hours that that James and Lewis and I have been sitting here around a microphone seem worthwhile because we're sharing our community with you. And I know what I wanted to say from before by the way. Um <laughs> James said this one time and this gentleman just said it in the in the thing. We don't have fans. Doctor Who has fans. We have listeners. There's a difference. We're mm. all Doctor Who fans. Period. That's what it is. We're all fans of Doctor Who. Mm. Podchock has listeners. There's a difference. Big difference. Yes. yes. Well, no, because we're all in the same – the only difference between us and every other Doctor Who fan is that we're just – we're podcasting it. This is our way of expressing our fandom. That's all. Well, you, 
you hear loads of people uh, writing in emails and stuff, and what they'll always say, or a lot of the times they'll say this is, it's like, you know, sitting down with my mates just chatting about Doctor Who. That's, I think, what's so brilliant about this podcast, is it's three blokes, you know, with uh, an extended kind of listenership, people who, who contribute and get involved, just chatting about Doctor Who. It's like being down the pub after watching the episode. It's brilliant. That's that's why so many people can enjoy it and connect with it, I think. And I enjoy helping people make the connections. You know, the fact that you might have somebody who says, oh, I'm a, I live in this area and I'm looking for a fan group or something like that. And when you actually help somebody make that connection, that's really very rewarding because you know that now mm. they've, they've joined a community of people who are into the same thing. And, and perhaps they're going to go do something like go to a convention or make a fan movie or whatever it is that they do. It's it's just a, it's a great feeling. So I wanted to thank you guys, you, the listeners, the Podshock listeners, for, for all that you do. And I want to mm. thank James and Ken because, as they say, they volunteer their time and, and effort being here. And I appreciate that. And, you know, once, um, once I can afford to, uh, to pay them, once I can afford to pay myself, I can pay them as well. But yes, right, I'd like they, a private they do plane. this for the, for the love of it and the passion of it. And it's uh, much appreciated. And I put them through hell many times. You know, them waiting for me to get myself, my act together here. So <laughs> much appreciative for their patience and their time and uh, generosity. So, um, yes, I. All right. Enough to... with the schmooze fest. I yeah, got to go to. We should, we should we should end now before the gush. And <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, um, we lose yeah, several. I'm, I'm wiping thousands. the slobber off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's the next next episode is our 150th episode. Yeah. No idea so, what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, you know what? By the time this episode comes out, uh, an event will already have taken place and it was it was too late for us to get this in to make it like newsworthy, but hopefully we're going to well, hopefully we'll have be able to line some things up. The Doctor Who New York meetup for May is going to have a couple of special guests who are in town on holiday who are going to stop by the meetup, apparently. And if they do, uh, I'm going to try and... I'm just kidding. Go ahead. And I'm going to try to line up some interviews based on the fact that we're going to see them face-to-face. So maybe for the 150th, we'll have a couple special guests. Cool. Excellent. So until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run Gallifreyembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. You can follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. Follow Doctor Who Podshock on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podshock. This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy 
and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Never mind about that. I've got a job for you. Now, you've always wanted to be a bloodhound. Negative, Boston. So, yes, you have. Yes, you have. Negative. Shh.